0: So Michelle and I went to uh, Rapid City this morning. We we do this once a week to get groceries. And there's a place that we like to eat called the Colonial House. They have some of the uh, best French toast. I'm not a huge French toast person, but I, I have to get that every time. So we went there and enjoyed a breakfast, and then it was still kind of early, and we're like, it's, "It's let's go for a drive. So there's a town called Nemo that's probably twenty thirty minutes northwest of uh Rapid City and it's just a scenic drive and we got up there and started to see the leaves turn and just we we we've driven it from the other direction before, but this was the first time we drove towards Nemo from Rapid City and it was just a really enjoyable drive and it's letting us know that fall is coming
1: sooner than we think
0: sooner than we think
2: So the leaves are already turning huh how significant or is it just the starting of the fall suggestion
0: i think it's just kind of starting i really thought they'd be farther along than they are based on what we were seeing last week so there's there's probably another half to a full week before it really gets into its color, but um, definitely looking forward to that. Welcome to the Rekindle XM podcast, and then we'll be discussing today stress, burnout, and what impacts it has in our lives. I'm Brian. I'll be your host today, and with me are Masha and Michelle. So guys, what is stress? Is it good? Is it bad? Do we have a overall picture or idea of what stress is?
1: Well, I think we know what stress feels like. And I think we're all familiar with that feeling as far as what it is. Um, I definitely had to go look up the actual definition because I know what it feels like, but as to what it actually is, I think that's a little bit harder concept. Cheater. You know me. I'm the researcher. I have to look stuff up. (laughs) So I actually found two different definitions and I like one better than the other. So one of them is a perceived threat to our well-being. So anything that you see is a threat to your well-being, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. The second definition was a perceived physical or mental demand or pressure. So I know which one I like better. I like the second one better just because I'm like, well, some things are stressful, but I don't really perceive them as a threat to my well-being.
0: Well, that kind of leads perfectly into um, good or bad stress. So do you consider stress to be good at
1: all?
2: It really depends. I experience both good and bad stress. And I have thought of stress in the past as good stress because it can fuel my performance, it'll give me energy, I'll get things done, and then you distress and then you feel uh a little bit more up to beat and you caught up. So in that case, I think stress is good because it does give you that energy to to keep up with the demand of your attention, your performance, and et cetera. And I've also experienced really bad stress where it was just a really crazy season where one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing just seems to just pile up out of nowhere and I couldn't keep up with it. So I felt crazy amounts of anxiety because I could not keep up with it. And as soon as I felt like I got a grasp of it, something else came up and totally shook my world. So it was uh, one of those challenging experiences. And I think it's all based on interpretation. Uh, stress can be good and it can be bad.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think most of us think of stress as bad, but then when you think of other situations where you're actually excited and looking forward to it, the feeling, there's there's a little bit of similarity in that feeling. So I agree, it depends on whether it's good or bad. Um, you know, that that good stress, when you get ready for an interview, like you're excited, but you're nervous, and you're scared and your palms are sweating. Well, some of the same types of reactions we have. So when it's bad stress. So I agree, it
0: can be either. We look at stress and we know it's good and bad now. And we can kind of see that. And it goes along with Michelle's second definition. Uh, we, we Let's look at the different aspects of how stress comes into play. So there's an article out by centerstone.org that talks about stress in four areas. And it's all pouring into this bucket and they call it the stress bucket. So you have all of these different areas where stress can pour in and they have four areas. And the first area is performance-based, which most people would call work-based and they also suggest it could be school so students can have a stressful, school experience and that would be performance based because it's based on grades and it's based on work performance and then we have environmental based which is what's happening around you so if for some reason masha was with us in person not just in spirit and michelle and i were arguing with each other really 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 badly that could be a very stressful environment for Masha to be in, not even talking about the stress that Michelle and I are putting each other through, which would be interpersonal stress. So interpersonal stress is when you're having conflicts with people that you know, or face-to-face, or just interacting with people, Um, introverts, It's always stressful to interact with new people, whether it's good stress or bad stress. Initially, it's bad stress because you have to interact. So and then the last one is interpersonal, which is within. So it's what's happening to your body, what's happening to your mind and what's causing stress in that way so if you get an injury and you're hurt and you can't do what you need to do you're kind of feeling stress and it's not caused by any outside thing it's caused within your body so um let's break these down some more i just did a brief overview of them um what's your guys's opinion on performance based do you have any thoughts or examples <laughs>
2: Michelle and I are looking at each other because we have tons of examples of that in our corporate experience managing a very complex audit program for our healthcare organization. and uh, my goodness, we worked with so many people that we can actually relate to all three of those top top three stressors, the performance environment and interpersonal, but focusing primarily on performance. We had so many last minute complications that it was uh, sometimes uh, doubtful that we will persevere and push through, which required the team, not just Michelle and myself, to spend multiple weeks of night and weekend hours to fix these very complex processes to the point where we were satisfied and the leadership was satisfied. and when it comes to that crunch, you have this different level of anxiety that's fueling your performance. And you know, it's temporary because you have a deadline, you have to meet the deadline. (laughs) And because of that, you just push, 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 and you sacrifice so much of your well-being, but you know, it's, it's, it's temporary. And you know that it's going to be really rewarding to finish it. And then there's a reward. Michelle, what do you have to add to that one?
1: Yeah, I agree. It had both, you know, that you stress, the good stress, because you knew you were going to get through it one way or another, even if it was, you know, nights there at the office till midnight. On the other hand, there was definitely some some distress in the the middle of that deadline cycle where you're just so tired. Um, so, yes, I, I absolutely agree. I have an example that came to mind. Actually, before Masha, before you and I worked together, um, The first partner that I worked with, she had this crazy stress reaction to these once a month meetings. And I just remember when I first started, because she was like, you're presenting. She's like, you're going to present, you're going to answer the questions. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, that's fine with me. And she was physically ill the morning of that meeting. And I was like, what is going on with you? Like, why are you so stressed about this meeting? And come to find out, in her experience, because she had been in this department before, she'd moved to a different role, but she's like, oh, my goodness, they just attack you this whole meeting. And they're just going to sit there and nitpick you and ask you questions and say you're wrong. And and so that's why she was so stressed. What was funny, though, was I didn't actually find it as stressful as she was making it out to be, which you know is interesting because she was so stressed about her performance and the performance of our department. And me as a new person, I was like, "Eh, yeah, they asked some questions. It wasn't that bad.
2: Interesting you say that, because my very first experience in one of those meetings, uh, if you remember, i was still, you were still training me, and we had the operational leader meeting to discuss the rates that they have to, you know, we felt so good about it, we felt so prepared, we go in, we're professional, and she completely devours us, and um, after the meeting, I'm like, are they all like this? Because if they are, I'm gone, I can't, I can't do this, <laughs> because it was a complete attack, and I did not handle that well at all.
1: Yeah. And and just I was thinking about, you know, not just work based, I think there's also performance based in our personal lives, because if you have things outside of work, projects are working on or personal goals and you may have a to do list that is, you know, a mile long for your weekend. So we tend to think about it with work or with school, but I think we also have this in our personal lives.
0: I agree. And it's in. We say it's work based or school based, but, you know, any type of like sports profession or whatever, or if you're just a amateur athlete, there's a lot of stress involved in that, too. So and that's definitely performance based. Absolutely. I I find it interesting. And maybe this is a topic for another time about how everybody reacts a little bit differently to a stressful situation, how they see it differently. And. Part of that is probably. Whether they're a pessimist like me or an optimist like Masha or this is, well, Michelle's kind of an optimist too, but she's not as squirrely as she is. What was
1: that?
2: (laughs) Michelle is a realist. She's a perfect mix of optimism down to just enough spice of reality to the point where she tells oh. Masha, yeah, I don't know, this is just way out there. <laughs>
0: See, that's why you have to have her around. She comes to your defense very well.
1: That's right. right. And I have to I have to come to her defense and uh, say that we're both a bit of squirrels.
0: No, uh, you, yeah. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> uh-huh. How
2: we survived the corporate world, we squirreled a lot. <laughs> but we still got things done.
0: <laughs> so the next one on the list is environment based um, what are some examples that we face in our environment that causes a stress oh I got a good one so go for it we're Michelle and I are full-time RVers and um, we were traveling from one location to the next and I did some not-so-smart things and ended up being in an accident, and um, that was definitely a very stressful time, and that was definitely based on the environment that I was in because traffic was screaming by. We were waiting. Well, first, the fire department showed up, then the Brighton police showed up, and then they couldn't do anything because they were out of jurisdiction. So then we had to wait for the Colorado State Patrol to show up, and 45 minutes later, they're finally showing up, and that that was not an enjoyable experience for me. And that was definitely an environment-based experience.
2: Yep. I tell you what. <laughs> Michelle, do, do you have a comment about the same story? Because I'm not sure I heard about it. So I, I'm um, really curious there. Yeah, I will,
1: I will say that, you know, we've been full-time RVing now for almost two years, which is amazing. Um, but I will say that some of my strongest stress responses have happened in that RV as we've been going down the road. There was another time when we were going through, um, we were south of Dallas and going through the city of Waco, they were doing road construction and there were these big trucks with um, concrete. I don't actually know what they are, Brian, I'm sure as the engineer, you know what they are. All I know is the concrete pieces they were hauling were hanging over the side of the truck and they were taking up way more than the width of that truck. And we had to pass them in a construction zone. And my stress response was so bad because I saw the concrete like inches from my face, Literally. I just had to close my eyes. I I literally couldn't keep my eyes open.
0: There was a good three (laughs) to six inches between it and the mirror.
1: Like I said, inches away from my face.
0: (laughs) We got through that one. It turned into stress. It was better than what mine turned into. So as we start looking into interpersonal, I, I think this one kind of speaks for itself a little bit. I don't know how many examples we really need. Um, is there anything other than the examples that you guys want to speak into on this?
1: Well, I do think that this one is sometimes overlooked because, you know, particularly with loved ones, our friends, our family, and our, our coworkers, colleagues that we, you know, often respect. I think we just tend to overlook this sometimes that um, as much as we love them and enjoy them, that there can also be a level of either good stress or bad stress. It can, it can happen either way. Sure.
2: And I can speak to that a little bit too, having a teenager in my house and going through a hormonal roller coaster. I feel like I'm a teenager all over again. And it's like, um, <laughs> there's a lot of grace in this period because what's happening within our bodies, oftentimes we cannot control because our bodies respond to stress on a molecular level. And if we recognize that, we can be more aware and give each other grace and point out certain things like, hey, you know, you kind of snapped at me. I'm like, oh, I did, sorry. (laughs) But it's uh, just, you know, hormones and stress. And besides, I have a teenager who's learning how to drive. So talking about <laughs> the environmental and interpersonal stress, I was really biting my tongue there because I was thinking, "Holy cow, I have I have so many things to share here. I better get permission before I fly off the handle." That one. Uh, but uh, yes, one of the things that we we teach, and uh, Lex's father is on board with us. Uh, we we teach not the easy stuff. We just jump in into the hard stuff. So uh, once she learned how to drive and navigate the wheel and, and the road, of course, I thought I was going to have a massive coronary so many times. We started driving on the highway right away and watching my sister learn how to drive. She did not hit the highway for years. Like it was five years after she got her driver's license before she felt comfortable. And with my daughter you know I said how about we just you know go on the highway outside of rush hour when it's not that busy so you can get used to it because those very scary situations tend to happen when teenagers are not familiar in the environment and how to respond and react and I'm glad that a lot of those situations happened when I was next to her to help navigate through you know proper response to to driving and the road and what's happening I mean, some of you may think it's irresponsible, but I'd rather her learn with me than react without me and, um, you know, be in a much worse situation. So half the time she was telling me, mom, stop screaming. And I said, I am not screaming. This is just me talking very loudly because I am scared. And she's telling me, well, you're scared makes me scared. So shut up.
0: Yeah, you should try writing with my mother.
2: She still does that. It never so, stops. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know how many I, I, times she almost put me into a ditch in the, in, in growing up on the farm, driving out to the country in the mud because she has, I'm going to get myself in trouble if she ever sees this, but literally the foot <laughs> goes through the, uh, the, the front, the firewall and she's like, and she's not even driving. So. And then she starts yelling at you.
1: Well, you know, I think we need to give a shout out to every single parent who has taught their kid how to drive.
0: This doesn't even yeah. have anything to do with that.
2: But one thing I could not deal with, and I told her father, I said, I taught her how to drive. You teach her how to park. Not doing it. I opt out.
0: Yeah. That's a whole other level of stress.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Mother, I got it. And she's heading right for the center of the car, I'm like, Mother, I got it. I'm like, No, you don't. No, you don't. Just break. And uh, yeah. Oh, so distress and you stress, you stress that I survived. Distress <laughs> is just trying to make it through it.
0: So, Masha, you started talking about um, hormones and molecular level involved in stress and that kind of goes into interpersonal but that also leads into what is the stress response so when we start looking we, we've we kind of given a uh, very broad overview of what we see as stress and we've talked about aspects of stress so as we break that deeper we need to start looking at the uh, the chemical and the hormonal regions of the body and start to see what happens there because stress affects us in a huge amount of ways. So Mosh is our expert on this for the moment. She's going to help us break down what what really happens in this situation when it comes to the chemicals and the hormones involved.
2: Go for it. Yeah, interesting. Yes, yeah. thank you. I got the stage. Don't burst my bubble. All right. <laughs> so coming coming on and really learning about what what does stress do to the body, I took real intimate interest in this because I was struggling with some health complications. I really did not know how to navigate and my primary care physician was at a loss and just had no answers. So I had to go and investigate and seek to understand and really knock down on every single symptom and trace it down to the root of the problem. And our bodies are resilient. We respond to stress in such a complex way that most of us are not aware that many of the things that are wrong with our bodies and our minds are related to stress. It's just a long-term or short-term effect of, of the stress and what it does on the body. So looking at the American Psychological Association, they define that stress affects all systems of the body, including musculoskeletal, respiratory, cardiovascular, endocrine, gastrointestinal, nervous, reproductive systems. I mean, that's every single major system in your body. So if you think about that stress prompts many illnesses, Initially, our brain releases uh, hormones to communicate with our body systems that if there is uh, a threat that you have to respond, respond to, to usually usually you think about a threat it 's a short term threat you deal with it, and your body goes back to normal. But if we are in our performance environments where we're constantly facing stress after stress after stress our body doesn't get an opportunity to recoup and go back to normal to homeostasis and because we're not in the normal state of being we see different things start happening in your body that it impacts all of your functions for example if you under a lot of stress what do we do we naturally tense up our shoulders square up our uh, upper back and our shoulders and our neck they tense up and if we're in that constant state of being tense, we begin to have skeletal and muscular problems. I mean, simple way to explain it, those are your knots. Those are uh, the issues that you can have uh, by pinched nerves when you always like this and you work like this, right? You're really uh, doing a lot of damage if you don't have the proper posture and proper exercises to straighten back out into your normal state and relax those muscles by stretching or whatnot and then also what happens when we're tense up if we're in the stressful situation we uh, our natural posture that the stress brings we don't breathe very well our lungs don't get filled up with air naturally we get less oxygen to very critical organs in our body we don't think as clearly we begin to get brain fatigue we begin to get exhaustion little headaches, and then those headaches get a little bit more frequent and a little bit more intense. And then you start getting migraines, right? Things like that, we've got to keep an eye on. And then also what is happening when we're not getting enough of oxygen to our organs? Well, it impacts our cardiovascular and endocrine system and our GI system as well, right? We're in a constant state of, of being tensed. Our oxygen uh, is impaired. Our body thinks it's in distress so what happens? Your digestive function becomes limited. You can start having gut issues. You can have start having ulcers, or you can have more significant GI issues, irregular bowel syndrome, or anything uh, significantly more challenging to, to get through. And all of those symptoms, if you think about When you're stressed and you're distressed and you're always working and you're so overworked, you don't pay attention to those things, right? So what do we do when we're stressed and we're probably not getting enough sleep? We're probably struggling there. So what do we do for that? We take sleeping aid potentially or have a glass of wine or something to get your nerves down so that you can relax and sleep, right? And then the next morning, how do you feel? Well, you feel probably more tired and more fatigued and the cycle carries on. So how do you treat that? I'm going to have an extra cup of coffee today or two or 10, right? So we're beginning to be in a cycle where we feed our addiction and a lack of stress response, as far as limiting it, we're fueling it by very unhealthy coping mechanisms. And that's why all of these major systems are so much impacted. And then also thinking about nervous system and our reproductive system. Well, I mean, duh, it's no brain, uh, no brainer that those symptoms, those systems are also impaired but yes 95% of all chronic or acute illness is linked to stress and some of the doctors feel very very strongly about that
0: yeah it's amazing how much of everything that's happening to us is the same chemicals that are that come about because of stress so it's almost stress related and until you start looking into it you don't really Realize that so much is interconnected. It's, it's. We've been watching um, a neuroscience guy as he talks about caffeine and how caffeine works and creates cortisol as well. And it also, I can't. What's the name of the the chemical, the the adenosine or something like that?
1: I bet Masha knows
0: it's a it's a i think it's adenosine it's a chemical that works on whether you feel fatigue or not so he's basically saying that if you get up first thing in the morning and you start drinking coffee um caffeine works on the same uh Signals that this adenosine does, and it actually blocks it, which is why you get an afternoon crash. But then you also have cortisol that ca- caffeine is creating, and so then that just adds to your stress because if you're in a stressful situation, you're already producing cortisol, so caffeine just enhances that that much more. And it's
1: yeah, and I think Masha that you point out something really important, which is. You know stress can be either good or bad, and it causes you know these these physical reactions and if you think about it, um, if you're in a true dangerous situation where you need to run away from danger um, it's kind of important that the energy and the attention of your body is focused on getting away from the danger. So for that period of time, you are not concerned about your immune system. You're not really concerned about your reproductive system. You're not really concerned about digesting the food that you just ate. You just want all that energy to go to your legs so you can run. So, you know, it's interesting that it's not good or bad, but then you point out, well, what happens when it just happens over and over and the stress keeps coming so um, we'll be interested to to get into that at a later time
0: well you're kind of leading into the next part of it which is we've talked about the chemical and the hormonal and we've kind of went into the next topic a little bit which is the physical and the mental thought processes that are involved when a stress first happens so Michelle, what are some of the uh, physical and the mental things that you start to see when you hit a stressor?
1: Yep. So as Masha pointed out, there's this cascade of chemicals. You know, these are, these are happening on a subconscious level. We're not really aware of what our body is doing, but we are aware of the effects of it. So the stressor comes and all of a sudden it's like we go on high alert. And I keep thinking of, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a Trekkie. I like Star Trek. I like all of these, you know, space um, sagas. And when they go, they're getting ready to go into a situation where they may need to actually go into battle. So they go on high alert. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear the blaring sirens, and um, everyone is brushing around, trying to make sure that, you know, getting the weapons charged, and you could, you know, they're not doing their normal functions, so the same thing happens with us and our mind and our body where everything is now focusing and becoming very you know intent on this stressor. We're in high alert and so we're focused on the stressor, we're paying close attention to what's happening. our minds are immediately preparing for this action and we're trying to figure out how to respond. But then you know we're on our, our body's side we're essentially charging up to be ready for that response. So, you know, weapons are charging, um, going back to that analogy. But then what happens, let's say the stressor goes away, or let's say that um, the stressor is not actually a physical danger. It's some kind of, you know, psychological performance, whatever. But we're stressed about something that's not actually dangerous, and yet our body is all charged up. Well, you got to do something with that stress and with um you know, the, all of those chemicals that are flooding your body. So even if the stressor disappears, you still have all these chemicals in your body. And I think that's where we struggle is that we don't immediately go back to a calm state. And a lot of times we don't know how to go back to
2: a calm state before the next stressor comes. Excellent call out, Michelle. When I was working through Uh, with a therapist and I still do. I think every person needs to have a therapist. I think that's the best uh, investment one can make into uh, wellness, mental wellness. And one of the conversations that we had is is a very clear distinction between living in the past, right? That's your depression. You're always replaying those conversations, those moments, those instances, and they cause you stress as if you are in it right now. It's the same exact response because your body doesn't know any different. And then also on the contrary, living in the future, that's your anxiety state of things. You're always having those conversations in your mind and those instances that haven't happened and may never happen, but you are triggering yourself that stress response as if you're having a conversation. Your body does not know any different whether we live in depression or anxiety. Our body responds to that stress response cycle the same way.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And in fact, I'm reading this book and I love the title of the book. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Who's ever thought about that? You know, animals, for the most part, don't have ulcers, but humans do. And it's because of what you just said, Masha, which is we don't differentiate between true physical danger and all of the other stressors that may or may not actually even come to effect or, we're you know, we're looking at the past, we're looking at the future, but we have all of these other stressors that are coming into our lives. Um, so that's, that's a great call out. And um, if you ever wondered why zebras don't get ulcers, it's a great book. It's written by Robert Sapolsky. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Really entertaining. And he goes into a lot of depth on that.
0: So I think we've covered a fairly good detail of stress, but what is the stress cycle and why is it important?
1: Oh, I was hoping you were going to say that stress cycle. So You know, I think we've talked a lot about the first part of what happens when the stressor comes, your reaction, what's happening physically, but what happens at the end if the stressor goes away? I'm curious if most people think, oh, okay, we're done. Stressor's gone. Life goes back to normal. Is that what we actually experience?
0: In a normal stress situation, I think to somewhat. I mean, you still have your body response to it, but it's as soon as that stress is finished, your body quits producing the chemicals and the hormones that are involved. So what are you suggesting?
1: I think from the way that we normally look at it, yes, that is actually what we usually observe. But Going back to the idea of um, you know my example of the the Star Trek cruiser that you know has its weapons charged, something has to change because you can't just continue to charge. So yep, the, the stressor's gone, the enemy warship is you know decided they're not attacking um, or that tiger that's about to jump on you turns around and runs away. So what is it that actually signals our bodies that okay, the stressor is done i can stop producing these stress hormones and go back to normal
0: they flip the safety on
1: they flip the safety on okay so what's our what's our safety like what what helps us flip the safety i think this is actually the piece that we don't think about that there is actually something between the stressor going away and us returning back to our previous hopefully calm and you know cheerful state and Masha I see you're shaking your head
2: I I was trying to really relate and reflect on that and I agree we rarely think about that piece but in my experience after a stressor I would keep an alert on and I would try to avoid any situation that would bring on that stress again. Sometimes it was successful, other times, you know, my proactive watchfulness prevented a bigger issue because I was monitoring and I was aware of of danger in that sense that could come and intervening from it into it proactively was helpful. Another coping mechanism that that I've had after the stressor, I would have routine massages that is something Mm -hmm. that physically helped me release stress every time i got stressed out i there was like i knew not i'm like okay i need to go knock it out (laughs) i need to work it through and that was my uh, path to wellness after being significantly stressed out i would have to do some you know distressing whether it's uh a, a nice routine to make the body physically relax. And one of those things were massages until they didn't work anymore. And what does it tell me? I wasn't good about going back to homeostasis. I remained in that high alert state for the next thing to happen, for the next thing to react because life was on a fast paced lane. I couldn't afford to lose track of things. I had to be constantly alert. And that adds a, a stress cycle a different stress cycle. I think it adds a layer versus getting back to homeostasis. So I I never felt like I got back to normal. There was a new norm. Part of the issue, right? Yeah, but,
0: okay. Yes and no. I can kind of agree with that. But we're just looking at a stress cycle for one stress. We're not looking at an overall picture of stress.
1: (laughs) Oh, if only that happened. If only, only that.
0: Okay, but the thing <laughs> is, is I I want to go back to the stress <laughs> cycle because we started talking about it, but we didn't really explain what we meant by the stress cycle. We just kind of skipped to the end on it. So what we're saying with the stress cycle is that our bodies are norm are running normally or as normally as can be. And we consider that homeostasis. So everything is meshing together normally. A stressor enters into our life and our body starts kicking in the stress response. So in the middle of that stress response, the cycle has started. Until we find a way to conclude that stress. So we, we found a way to end it, whether, it's fight, fright, flight, or freeze. Why am I having so much trouble with that? Maybe I should be going with fight, freeze, and flight so I don't get the two eyes so close together. But um, Or we have to pick a different method because it's not physical. And after... have... I'm not done yet. Sorry, sorry. I am not done yet. We have to find something that will end that stress for that cycle to complete. So... When we hit that stress, we're at the beginning of the cycle. When we're in the middle of the stress, we're halfway through. When we start to find the way to solve that stress, we're almost back to homeostasis, which is what really Michelle is talking about. We, we're we're working on ending that stress, but by the time we get back to the end, of the beginning of the cycle again, then we're at homeostasis, and our body is back to normal. So that is what we are calling a stress cycle. And I think what you're talking about is somewhere in between, because if you're still coming down from that stress high, then you haven't really finished the cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that most of the time, you know, we have, you know, we're we're just, we're going along, we're just kind of doing our thing. Something happens, a stressor appears, and then we have the reaction and then it, um, the stressor goes away and we sort of go back to normal but well yes yeah, so, it so. gets over well i think the piece that gets overlooked though is there's some kind of coping so the stressor goes away and on the other hand you're using some kind of coping to kind of calm yourself down a little bit and well, get back know, to normal that's And that's not, the piece that we don't think about
0: you don't it's unconscious yes, yes. i agree
1: it's usually unconscious and,
0: and we will be talking about coping and how to deal with stress. But right now we just want to get into how to what stress is and what it looks like as we start trying to figure out how stress and burnout work together. So um, so we we've kind of talked about what the cycle is and we've kind of talked about ending the cycle, even though. Some of us don't necessarily think it's really ending, but why is it important to end the cycle?
1: Because you don't want, you know, all those chemicals that are racing through your body, like you you don't want those to continue because when Masha was talking about how, you know, we we start having those GI effects and um, our immune system is affected, um, all of these physical effects, are the result of the fact that you still have these chemicals running through your body and there needs to be some kind of shutoff valve. Um, so eventually you want to go back to your normal operating procedures where you know, your body is all doing, you know, all of the functions that it needs to do under the kind of normal what we call homeostasis condition. Um, so if you're constantly in stress, well what happens with all of these, you know, physical operating systems that are put on hold. So physically, you want to go back to that homeostasis. And then mentally, same thing, because your brain just is going and going and going and trying to solve all of these problems and you're
2: just getting exhausted. You don't want a rotten onion.
0: (laughs) Whatever onion are you talking about? And should we be talking about it right now?
2: I'm just talking about an onion. That is an right.
0: onion? Does an onion have layers?
2: Oh, it has so many layers.
0: <laughs> are, are you getting into Shrek now?
2: Maybe. I think a, a better example for me to think of um, uh to to look at good stress for example you are a sports team and you are having a national championship you've worked so hard and hard and everybody's so stressed out your anticipation that stress anticipation for the game is is getting everybody anxious and riled up for the game and during the game you're really giving it your all you're really persevering through all kinds of challenges physical challenges and then you win the championship. Your stress cycle has ended in glory. For the other team, stress cycle ended in pain. <laughs> and if they lose the next game, stress cycle didn't quite end, right? Because they're still kind of mourning the victory. So I think that's, that's a good example. You have something that you're anticipating that is stressful, and then you get through it. And once you get through it, whatever their outcome is, it ends your stress cycle in an ideal world.
0: So join us next time as we continue to discuss stress, burnout, and how it affects you.